in today's show. We're talking Detroit Pistons. Don't tune out. We're going to talk Detroit Pistons. We're going to look at their season. What the hell do we do with this team in the future? How we make sense of their roster, their rotations, their players. We'll do it. What do you think, Michael Walton? Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That's PricePicks.com. The promo code is Locked On. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So it's time to start looking at some uh, team reviews. We're going to be interspersing these shows over the next few weeks with um, a bunch of other content we're doing. Um, I don't know if we got to the 50 comments on yesterday or last show saying I wanted 50 comments if people wanted a very, very early look ahead at Dynasty Rookie Rankings for the 2023 draft. We got close enough. So I am going to do that show tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. But we are doing a season review here for the Pistons players and seeing like... It's more just a way to look back and go, what actually happened with these guys? What do we make sense of with the with the players on this team? Where do they go? What's the trajectory? What are their contract statuses? All that sort of thing for the season moving forward. This is the first one of these shows, so we'll see how it goes. We'll get your feedback on how things look and um, how you're viewing it. We might make adjustments for f- future shows. This is just the way that, that it is. Um, yeah, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right, let's look at the Pistons' season, and it was shithouse. We know that. They were bad. They were dreadful. They were the worst team in the NBA. That's why we're doing them first. They had a record of 17-65. and 65. Again, putrid, absolutely disgustingly bad. They were terrible, and they've been terrible for years. We'll see. I have very little faith in this team at all. Ownership, front office, coach, although I don't know who that's going to be because Dwayne Casey... Did, took all his good work and got promoted into the front office. I don't know what he's going to be doing in the front office because he obviously has no experience in the front office. Absolutely one of the best blokes you'll ever meet, from my understanding. Everyone that's talked to me about Dwayne Casey, unbelievable bloke. I've never met him. He seems ridiculously nice. Unbelievably good. Coaching, probably not his forte at this point in the NBA. And he was holding them back. That's half of the problem that's holding them back. The other half is the guy making the decisions, and that's Troy Weaver. And we will see what happens in this offseason. But they have not made, to me, any really strong decisions. And that's not true. Some of their decisions have been pretty good. Trading for Jalen Duran, trading for that pick, huge win. Huge W. Most other things they did, I wasn't sure I was a gigantic fan of it. So we'll see where they go. 17 and 65. They had a net rating of negative 8.6. Wasn't the worst in the NBA. They were um, 28th. They're the 29th best offense. That's second last. And the 28th best defense. That's third last. So they obviously underperformed because they were 30th with the 28th best team by net rating. That's fine. Whatever. Who cares? They were bad. I went to look at what their best lineup was for players you know, uh, using clean the glass and their qualifying filters of players who remained on this team. So I think their five or six best 
lineups for the season involved players who no longer are on this team. Number one being Sadiq Bay was in a lot of the, and I've criticized Sadiq Bay. I don't think he's a quality starter, but he was a part of most of their very strong lineups. So their best lineup of players who remained on this team was Jaden Ivey, Alec Burks, Boyan Bogdanovich, Isaiah Stewart, and Jalen Duran. And that lineup had a net rating of negative 11.2. Hmm. So that's obviously shocking. Right, That's a bad net rating, but that was their best lineup of players left on this team. Now, of course, you're going to get a high draft pick coming in next season. You're going to get the return of Cade Cunningham. You're going to get improvements of Ivy. You're going to get improvements of Duran. You're hopefully going to get someone that's a power forward to play power forward instead of Isaiah Stewart. But the fact that their best lineup was propped up by two 30-plus-year-old renter veterans in Burks and Bogdanovich, it's not a fantastic sign. And it's it's not a good lineup, negative 11.2. But of their qualifying lineups, this was the best one. Uh, it's not particularly good. But they've got some avenues here. They have $47 million in cap space. Now, that figure I'm coming to is from Spotrack. Spotrack has their max cap space at 49.5. Their likely cap space at 47. That's based on declining options and cap holds are not going to keep... I'm guessing, it doesn't tell you exactly how they get to this. I'm guessing this is them declining the $10 million team option on Alec Burks and removing a bunch of cap holds like on Joseph Magruder and maybe on Diallo. But if they, they've got a very easy path to getting to $47 million in cap space. Now, who they go for, I have no idea, right? They sh- there's not, who's looking at this team as being the, the team that they want to go to as a free agent? What they should do, if you were going to put all non-basketball stuff aside, I'd Miles Bridges would fit perfectly on this team. Now, you can think whatever you want um, regarding his status or whether you want the optics of signing him. He would be awesome fit on this team from a basketball perspective. Would the Hornets match it? Probably. But working out even some sort of sign and trade to fit him there at the four, young player to fit with these guys, I think it would actually work out pretty strong. But we don't know. All right. In terms of their free agents coming up, Diallo, Joseph, Scooter Magruder. I'm not including the two ways here, Buddy Bayheim and Jared Roden. They're not important players at all. Diallo is the only... Well, they probably look to bring back one of Joseph or Magruder just for veteran leadership. And you know they played sizable roles for this team down the stretch. Diallo. Diallo, to me, has got a model to look at of how he can be successful. Just look at Houston, KJ Martin. Diallo's a worse KJ Martin, but he's KJ Martin. A guy that cannot shoot, although Diallo's a worse shooter. He's basically like a 6'5 center who is a strong defender, um, hyper-athlete. There's a somewhat of a role for him somewhere as a very small ball center. The problem is that they have five other centers. So Diallo has to always play out of position. So I'm not sure he's the best fit on this team. In terms of team options, Alec Burks is a team option for 10 million, as I just said. Isaiah Livers and Eugene Omari. I think they do bring Livers back. Omari, maybe. He flashed a few things, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not certain where he fits as we move forward. But that's what their contract situation is. Everyone else is basically still under contract. You've got guys like um, uh, Roderick Hampton, who's still um, on this team. I believe he's got a non-guarantee on his uh, contract. Let's have a look at that. Yeah, Hampton's got a $2 million uh, non-guarantee for next season as well. Didn't include that on this list. In terms of the NBA draft, they've got the number one lottery odds. Now, I've been compiling mock draft database. I've got about six different mock drafts that go 60 picks in there. And they've got the lottery odds at number one. And that means they take Victor Weminyama if they get number one. Of course, they've only got a 14% chance of getting number one, but I don't really have any other way of doing this at this point. They've also got pick 31 in the second round. And based on my mock drafts, that would lead them with Bilal Kulabali 
a guy who also plays on Victor's team in France. He's like a six 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 seven wing. But they've also got the guy, who was it that they took? Um, Gabriel Prochida in the second round last season, which who I think is a good player. And he could come over as well. So it's an extra second round guy. Maybe they, they took a collaborative, they could keep him over in Europe for a year. But that's their draft capital. And that's where, based on mock draft ADPs at the moment, Calabali is probably a guy uh, probably a guy that they can look at in that spot to, to pick. But, you know, we'll do way more draft stuff as we move forward. Today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. Price Picks is daily fantasy. Yes, it is. But it's not daily fantasy that you've seen before. Well, you might have seen this one. But it's not the old daily fantasy. It's not salary caps. It's not lineups against thousands of people. It's you versus player projections. It's you looking at the playoffs at the moment and saying, well, I think this player, Chris Middleton, is going to have more or less than the line they put up in points or threes or rebounds or assists. You do two to six of those individual projections. You put them into a lineup and you can win up to 25 times your entry fee back. It's easy. You do it in under 60 seconds. You can do it in over 30 US states. You can do it in the majority of Canadian provinces and territories as well. And you can do it for lots of sports, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, MMA, UFC, which of course is the same thing, boxing, cricket, PGA, NASCAR, and of course, the GOAT, Disc Golf. So download the PriceFix app or go to pricefix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PriceFix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PriceFix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Okay, that brings us into talking about the players. I'm going to go through these guys based on their rankings in order of where they finished per game and, and talking about them in that way. Um, the first guy we're going to look at here is Boyan Bogdanovich, who was 74th on a per-game basis in category leagues. But these numbers are here on the screen, 74th per game, 105th in totals. If you use the minus one rank, which I think is a very good way of looking at things for head-to-head values because it takes away a player's worst category, especially when someone's like a like a Jalen Green, a big punt field goal guy, or a Giannis, a big punt free throw guy, rather than saying, well, he's actually the 100-ranked player, Giannis, so you know, I wouldn't take him in the first 10 rounds. Um, you look at it and say, oh, no, he was actually eighth in uh, in punt in minus one value, which takes everyone's worst category away, and we see where they where they shake out, which I think is important for head-to-head. Anyway, Boyan, 82nd, 114th in total for minus one points leagues. He was 94th in Yahoo points, 124th in total value. As you can see, losing a lot of value because of games missed due to a fake injury down the end of the season. His ADP was 120. If you drafted him there, you're bloody loving it, right? Because that is really good value. And then you dropped him once we got that bilateral Achilles bullshit uh, injury come out. So strong stuff. But he's 34. I don't know that he maintains on this team, but they do dumb things with veterans all the time. They're too slow to trade their guys majority of the time. And we'll see what they do. But he's 34. He played 59 games. He had 32 minutes a game. He had 26% usage. The graph you can see under me here is the career Darko progression. Now, Darko is one of the two, probably the three advanced metrics that I look at the most. They're the most trustworthy to me. There are a couple others that I need to look at as well, the new ones that I'm going to pay attention to. Not in this show, but at some point soon. Darko is the only one of these metrics, though. Every metric, advanced metric, tells you what's happened. What has gone on with this player? Darko does that, but also goes, okay, we're forward projecting as well. So the Darko number tells you what a player is going to project to do. And if you look at Boyan Bogdanovich's Darko DPM progression, it's strong, it's strong, it rises up, and holy shit, look at the way it tails off. The way it ended this season, it just got worse and worse and worse. And that 
is very, very different to a lot of the other metrics. For example, EPM, which I think is absolutely the number one metric for advanced stats for what has happened, analyzing a player season. He was a plus 1.3, that's 83rd percentile on EPM. He was plus 5.5 estimated wins, which is 83rd percentile. He's really strong. But Darko didn't love him. Minus 1.5, that's 342nd out of 500 qualifying players. That's really bad. That's giving you an idea, tying into this graph, that a drop is coming here for Boyan, big time. His LeBron wasn't particularly strong either, negative 0.24. And compared that to, say, 150 players, starters, which gives us a good idea for a standard category league, 38th percentile. That's not, that's not that strong either. So EPM loved what he did, but Darko and LeBron paint a different sort of story. Just something to pay attention to. Let's, this graph here is his fantasy points, which is in blue, and the red is his minutes. Just to get an idea of where consistency was, I think he was yeah, he was pretty up and down game by game. You can see the big peaks and troughs, but and you'll see nearly every one of these graphs that fantasy points and minutes are so tightly correlated. You play more minutes, your fantasy points go up in general. Like you'll see the occasional one where he played good minutes here at the start of the graph and the fantasy points were in the toilet. There's a kind of a couple of those, but in general they're pretty strongly correlated. But he seasoned. There's no big like trends up and down. Obviously, towards the end of the year he didn't play. But you know, that's there is fantasy fantasy stat numbers. And the last graph that I'm going to do, I'm going to do this for all play all the players we're going to talk about anyway. Got the three different sections here. This is his estimated plus minus graph for the season. Just to give you an idea. These are this green line are rolling averages. So yeah, how he's trending throughout the season. So as you can see, like not really a huge amount of stuff. Started out pretty well, dropped off, had a bit of a spike in the middle, and then was just sort of solid right around average for most of the season and a little spike there towards the end. The little blue dots are games that he didn't play. All right, so that's that's that. What do you think of that presentation? What do you think of those numbers? I think there's something to get out of that. We're looking at what we look for next season, what we make of this season, and where we view it for Dynasty. And the one takeaway I have there from Boyan is, ooh, ooh we are probably getting a sizable drop-off, would be my guess, um, from a lot of those numbers. And one of the other things with Boyan is he hit a very, very high percentage of mid-range shots, which on his short mid-ranges, he was at 52%, 93rd percentile. He was at 48% on mid-ranges in general. Like that is, it's always one of those big regression things that we look at. And I think that ties into a lot of these numbers here too. Let's look at Cade because obviously it was a bad season from Cade. On a per game basis in category leagues, he was 79th. 366th in totals because he played 12 games. His minus one rank was 63rd, 337th in totals. Points rank 45th, 353rd in totals. I think despite everyone and a lot of people, I was too high on Cade this season for sure. But I also, that, that story wasn't written. We don't know what happened. The fact that he was so poor, he shot 28% from three, 41% from the field, yet was still 79th and 45th in points leagues means to me that there would have been some improvement in those numbers. And I reckon he might have hit the mark. I think he's going to be drafted outside the top 50 next season. I think it's a perfect time to invest in him dynasty-wise. And I think that there is a little bit of hate going on here of Cade that's probably not justified. He's 21. He played 12 games, 33 minutes. He had a 30% usage. That's really key when we talk about the other players. Cade had a 30% usage, and he wasn't there all season. He averaged 20 points, 1.43, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 0.8 steals, 0.6 blocks. The number one thing I look at there is, well, and the shooting, 41, 28, 84. Three-point percentage, field goal percentage have got so much room to grow here. 
0.8 steals could easily be 1.2. We know steals as a year-on-year proposition very wildly. Cade shoots 44%, 34%, goes 1.2 steals on all of these other numbers. We're talking 23, maybe two threes, six rebounds, six assists. That's a top 30 guy. That's what I projected for him this season to take a bit of a step forward in efficiency. And he was bad. Even with some of the shooting stuff, you can see his general Darko progression line is moving up. It's, it's, his Darko wasn't great this season. We'll get to that now. Like his EPM was negative 0.6, 62nd percentile. His wins were still plus 0.6, even though he played 12 games, 45th percentile. His LeBron was 0.29, which is not a bad number. 49th, uh, out of, uh, 49th percentile in starter. So out of the starters that played, like that's not bad. And his Darko was minus one, 273rd, which is about halfway through the league. But it is trending up. And that's what's important. Well, that, that's what we need to look at. His fantasy graph for points doesn't really tell you a huge amount because he got hurt. But there were, like, that last game was really bad for him. He played only 24 minutes and he was really bad in that. But you can see there was a couple of real spikes there. There was like a 60 point game there for Cade and a couple of other nice 45s and 50s in that graph. Um, and he was able to, while keeping minutes stable, buck that trend of it's not just about minutes for him, which again ties back to me. It's the the ingredients are here. It's about the variation in shooting for Cade that needs to improve, and I think it will improve. In terms of his EPM stuff, again, it did trend down as the season went on. He had a nice little spike there at the start. You can see that huge number there, that plus six single game EPM, which is not a great stat per game, single game EPM. But then we had a real couple of stings, and I think that sours people. Is the last two or three games before he got hurt, he had three really bad games, and that dropped it way down. So I do think that we're going to get um, we're going to get some value in Cade in drafts next season. I think if we are looking for a dynasty perspective, uh, might be a good idea to invest. Today's episode is brought to you by something you should invest in. It's Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack, Built Bar is there for you. It is the best tasting protein bar ever, quite clearly. It's high in protein. It's low in calories. It's low in fat. It's low in sugar. And when you're reaching for a snack, well, we love something that tastes good. And these are covered in 100% real dark chocolate. But we also don't want to blow ourselves out with calories. We don't want too many of them. We want something that's delicious and good on the healthy side. And if you've been to the gym, if you've been like I am going to do after this, go ride my bike. I'm going to go get a Built Bar straight after because I've got a box of them now. And I'm going to go eat one. Cookies and cream is my favorite flavor. You can order them online. But you can also just go straight into a Walmart. You can also go straight into a Sam's Club and get them off the shelf. Four bar boxes in Walmart, 13 bar boxes in Sam's Club. Or you just get all of your interesting flavors off the website, built.com. Really easy to do. So go to built.com, go to Walmart, go to Sam's Club, order your built bars. Built bar is built different. Huh. All right. It's time to look at the passport legend, Jalen Duran. Yeah. He started off the season on the bench at first. We there was word coming out of Detroit. Oh, he's going to spend time in the G League. We've got all these other centers. Isaiah Stewart. We've got Marvin Bagley. Um, yeah, he's just not going to play. And then Bagley was hurt early on. And Duran came in and played well immediately. And took that starting job pretty quickly. They, they mucked around and started Bagley for about two games. And that went as well as you would expect. And then Duran took over. Let's go through his fundamental numbers here. 133rd in category leagues. 134th in totals. 133rd in minus one, 137 in totals. 101st in points, 134th in totals. He was ADP 140. He wasn't drafted. 
You're only in 12% of leagues. I just found that this is a stat on Yahoo where it tells you what percentage of leagues they were drafted. He wasn't drafted anyway, so he was picked up in a lot of spots. But a lot of these overall numbers are a little bit misleading. And we'll talk about this in a second. He's only 19 still. He hasn't turned 20 until December. He's not the youngest player in the NBA currently. He's going to be younger than so many players that get picked in the first round of this draft. He plays 67 games under 25 minutes with a 14% usage. Now, we're not ever expecting Jalen Duren to become a usage monster, but both of those numbers need to jump, and they will, I think, next season. He averaged 9 and 9, 1 assist, 0.7 steals, 0.9 blocks. You would have hoped that he could block a few more shots, as good as he is, but 9 rebounds in 25 minutes is excellent. This is a guy we're looking at at double-digit rebounds next season, I think. He shot 65 from the field and 61 from the line. I think there is going to... I remember arguing with people at the start of the season because Duran was hitting, I think, like 100% of his free throws in the preseason or something. People go, oh, man, he's figured it out. And you've got to realize that this sample size stuff is important. I think there is room for him to improve this. I think there's room for... There's two things I look at for improvement here from Duran. Actually, let's talk all of them. Usage, minutes, very easily. That 14% usage, that might only be 15 or 15 and a half, but there's a little bit there. Minutes... Should smash through. 28. It's so clear that he's the best option there. Now, I, this is where I have my lack of faith. In Do they play Bagley? Do they play Stewart? Do they start the nonsense that is James Wiseman? I don't know. So I have a, At some point, I do believe that the best player wins out. Whether that's this season or in three years' time, whether it's a new GM that comes in or the new coach has his decision, I think Duran is going to win out. But it might be Rocky first up. The other thing, I think he can average two and a half to three assists a game. I think he's a solid passer. And I think he can average 1.7 blocks at some point in his peak. That's huge, right? There is so much to improve here. There is no reason to me that peak Jalen Duran can't average 15, 11, 3, 1.7 blocks, 65% from the field, 75% from the line. That's a top 40, 50 player. Even this season, his EPM, negative 1.4, 51st percentile. As a 19-year-old, 18-year-old rookie, it's pretty good. 1.8 in, in estimated wins. 59th percentile. Pretty good. He's Darko, negative 1.2. 2 point, uh, 294th. And it, but as you can see, as the season went on, his Darko staff improved. Now, there was there was his dip here towards the end, which is when he got hurt and his minutes were a bit lower and he struggled to get his sort of rhythm back. But it did improve. And his LeBron wasn't that great, negative 1.18, which compared to starters was 15th percentile. But there is significant room here. I think, for him to improve as we move forward. And it is trending up with Darko, um, and, and I think you're going to see that happen. And if you look at his fantasy points per game, he started out relatively slowly with his big spike in the middle around... When is that? As I look in, it's like around uh, January. Some big spikes in numbers. Injured, and then came back to the Wiseman-Bagley foolishness. But that... Like, there's a 65-point game there. There's a few 50-pointers in that mix. But that's like around that 30 fantasy point, 35 fantasy point little zone here. Some really big explosions, which is where I think we should be focusing our attention. If we look again at Duran's EPM chart, again, that middle of the year when he was the established starting center playing 30 minutes a night, look at the spike in his EPM and then sort of fell away when he got injured towards the end and then came back to the foolishness. Had a nice little bump there towards the end. And overall, there was an improvement over the course of the season, which I think is exactly what you want to see. But very encouraged from Duran. He's very clearly, to me, the best center. He's not going to hit peak value for five, six years. But there's a lot of clear indicators of good stuff there. Not sure that there's great indicators of good stuff for Killian Hayes. But it was probably the first season where we looked at Killian Hayes and went, 
Oh, no, well, no he's, a, he's a usable fantasy guy. Because that's where we're at with him. 150th in category leagues, 111th in total value. That's because you played 76 games. 131st in minus one rank, it gives a 20 spot boost because you got to punt field goals with him. 86th in totals. Wow. This is why, also why I think using total ranks to give you any sort of valuation on players is foolish. Because there's no way you look at Killian Hayes and go, yeah, Killian Hayes, eighth round guy. That's probably where, that's, that's probably real, yeah? It's not. It's, it just isn't. Like, we don't look at that and go, well, he's, yeah, that's where we look to draft him. That's not, yeah, him playing the 76 games is great. But he missed, oh yeah, you injury prone to you not. He missed a million games in his first two seasons. Ankles and hip injuries. So what's real? Or is it just luck? It's just luck. Um, 128th in points, 96th in total, as you can see. Um, slightly better in a, as a points league guy because you're not dinged as much for the percentage issues that he has. He was had an ADP of 109. But that, that's weird because he was only drafted in 5% of leagues. So some leagues were going hard on him drafting him early, and then everyone else just avoided him. You should have avoided him because he barely played at the start of the season. He's still only 21. He'll be 22 in a few months despite going into year four. So he is still young. He played 76 games, 28 minutes with a 20% usage. He averaged 10 points, 1-3, three, 3 rebounds, 6 assists, 1.4 steals, 0.4 blocks. We know what he is. He's assists and steals. He shot 38% though. He shot 28 from three with 82 from the line. So despite improvements, and he did improve, this is three years of never fixing. It's never improving. And it required an injury to Cade Cunningham and an absence of Boyan Bogdanovich and an absence of Alec Burks to even get enough for us to be looking at him. His EPM, negative 2.5, disgusting, 36th percentile. He managed to get to 0.6 wins because he played in a lot of games, but that's only 45th. His Darko, negative 2.2, which is 432nd. Look at that graph there. A few little spikes. We had some good games, but overall... Pretty flat progression line. It's not expecting good things for him. LeBron was terrible, negative 3.47. That's first percentile compared to other starters. That is nowhere near starter caliber. I like Killian Hayes. I liked him as a draft prospect. I look completely wrong. I think he's a solid enough backup. There is no way to me we're viewing him as, yes, he is still young, but the shooting is a real problem. The assists and steals are useful. Yeah, what's his best case scenario? 60% Ricky Rubio, if he was able to find a starting role, but I don't think he is. I don't think he'll ever be able to find a starting role unless there's injuries. Because look at all of these impact metrics. He doesn't impact stuff. So you don't want to buy into him as a starter. His fantasy points per game, it obviously improved as the season went on as players started getting hurt. Look at the start of the year. That's when Cade was there, those first 12 games. Look how low his um, values are. Look how low the points are. Look how low the minutes are. And then the minutes spike and the fantasy points spike. Really clear. Cade was out. Hayes jumped up. Cade's going to be back. Hayes is going to drop way down. I don't think we saw enough to get excited about Killian Hayes' future. His EPM graph, again, really bad at the start. Got the ball in his hands more. He crossed the middle of the season. And then it was a nice little spike through January. Played all right, and then we got a little bit of a drop-off happening as the season went on. I think most people would understand that's sort of where he was. Let's talk about their prize rookie, pick five in the NBA draft, Jaden Ivey. Really hard to gauge a lot of what Ivey did, and we've got a question from a viewer at the end of the show about Ivey that I'll get to. 161st in category leagues, 133rd in total, minus four rank, 154th. Points 101st with a totals of 75. He was ADP 135, drafted in 65% of leagues. Totally fine. You draft him like that, like he never translated well as a rookie. I think we see this. He didn't translate particularly well. He turned it up at the end of the season. Fine. 
21 years of age, played 74 games, 31 minutes, 25 usage, averaged 16 points, one and a half threes, four rebounds, five assists, 0.8 steals, shot 42, 34, and 75. Subpar percentage numbers for sure. His impact metrics are terrible. Minus 4.4 APM. Minus 2.2 wins. Like he cost, he was one of the worst players in costing a team wins. That is absolutely stock standard for a lot of young point guards. That happens all the time. He's Darko, negative two, 406th. He's really bad. He's LeBron, negative 3.45 is really bad. But as you can see on the Darko scale here, it's bad. It's way below zero. He dips. He really struggles in the middle of the season. And then we see it start to improve. Now, the problem with Ivy is going to be, he did all of this and there was no Cade. There was no Bogdanovich. There's no incoming top five pick. Where does he fit? So did he figure stuff out? Maybe. Look at that towards the end. That that blue line just keeps sort of trending upwards on the fantasy points graph. Just keeps trending upwards. But there's a lot of factors there. And I think we can look at what he did at the end of the season, which was obviously really impressive, Jaden Ivey. But we have to just be cautious with it. Because while he was able to do that, increase his fantasy points and put up some better numbers, his impact stuff still wasn't fantastic. Like it's a slight increase as the season went on, but it's not fantastic. And while I think he's going to take big steps forward next season, Jaden Ivey, it's going to be tempered because Cade is there. What if Scoot is there? What if Brandon Miller is there? What if Victor is there? What if Thompson is there times two? What if, well, maybe not as much Gerace or who else would they take? Uh, Taylor Hendricks or whatever. Probably wouldn't, but... Um, what if they bring back, bring in another free agent? What if they bring in back Jeremy Grant? I don't think they are. He thrived because everyone was out of the way. And I'm not sure that he's good enough to push everyone out of the way again. So I think I'd be happy taking him towards the end of a draft. But I think there is some concern. Let's, well, concern's the wrong, wrong word. Um, I think there is some expectations to be tempered. Is that you, Mr. Stewart? Well, who the hell else do you think it'd be? Get in here, you pair of flaming galahs. Yeah, Elf Stewart. Um, 165th in category leagues, 168th minus one, 137th in points leagues, drafted 118th in 93% of leagues. He was all right. They moved him to play at power forward. He's still only 22. Played 50 games, 28 minutes, 17 usage. He averaged 11 and 8, 1.3 triples on 33%. 0.7 blocks, so 0.4. So it was one of the reasons that people, and remember I had Kostya, who was the, the creator of Darko, on the show a few years ago saying, hey, Stewart's got some dynasty prospects because he put up, at a young age, really high steal rate. Well, that's really dropped off. Like, there's that's no steals at all. 0.4, that's really bad. He shot 44% as a power forward center. Horrible. 33% from three. They want to make him a three-point shooter. I don't think he is. And 74 from the line. His impact stats are okay. Negative one in EPM. Negative 1.2 in Darko. Negative 0.81 in LeBron is not, not great, but it's not dreadful. But the encouraging thing here, you see this spike at the end of his rookie. Look, his rookie season started out dreadfully and then really pushed up in this Darko graph. And then he dropped way off. And then it's been a steady decline and it's getting better. I think his best role is a backup a 24-minute-a-night backup player, and you just got to get that efficiency up. It's not just about shooting threes. That's two-point efficiency well down too, and defensive stats. He's never going to be a passer. 
never going to be. He's not a guy that I look at as a future starter. I think that these 28 minutes might end up being the most that he plays from here on out in a season. I don't expect him to be a big, big minutes guy moving forward. I think we've sort of figured out that there are some limitations as he heads into year four. His fantasy points numbers, there's nothing that really stands out on that. He is, he was this season a better points league guy than category league guy. I think if he is able to reach his peak, he will end up being a better category league player than a points league guy. So that's something to keep in mind. And his EPM graph had some struggles, started to pick it up towards the end of there. But basically what happened is he got inserted as a power forward and his numbers sort of steadily declined, 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 and then had a little bit of a renaissance in February before he was out for the season. Started to play better in February here, but that was, I believe, when Duran was out. So, yeah, I wouldn't be having a huge amount of faith in Isaiah Stewart. Let's look at James Wiseman Sr., Marvin Bagley III. 168th in category leagues, 254th in totals, 162nd in minus one, 157th in points. Drafted at 138 in 31% of leagues. Never really made sense to draft him at all. He's 24. It was just another Bagley season. I don't know the point of him being here. He should clearly be behind um, Duran. He's, right, look, he's just a guy that needs so many things to go his way to put up fantasy numbers, and the team need to be committed to being the worst team in the NBA because that's really the only way he can survive. He played 42 games at 24 minutes, 20% usage. You average 12 and 6, half a 3. And these are the things that carry up. 0.9 assists, 0.5 steals, 0.7 blocks, 29% shooting from the 3. Now, he hit 53 from the field and 75 from the line, which are improvements. And to say that he was bad all season is probably a lie because he did have some okay moments. But I think there's nothing that stands out advanced numbers. Well, Darko hates him, negative 1.9. 400th, and there were, like, he had some improvements last season, but, like, look at this. It's, it's all all scattered negative nonsense from him. I don't think there's anything there that we look at with Bagley and say, well, just if, well, just if he gets the chance or if he finds the right spot. I think we've seen it enough. Like, he's played enough. Now, he hasn't played a huge amount, but he's played enough that, you know, he, you can't really have him, Wiseman, and Stewart on the same team, and you can't have all three of them in the same rotation. There's just too many negatives associated with that. His fantasy points graph's not particularly illuminating. He's, his fantasy points really ties in very heavily to his minutes because he just needs a lot of the ball to score and rebound. That's it. Can't do any other peripheral stuff. We know this. I have very little faith in Marvin Bagley. This could be the best rank he ever has moving forward as well. I just I I do not have I do not have faith in him. Um, as a fantasy producer or as an NBA producer whatsoever. And you look at his EPM stuff, like there's nothing, you know, nice, again, nice little spikes at the end here. That was when Stewart was out, when Duran was missing games. He started to play better in a team with no Cunningham and then Bogdanovich was out and Burks was out. He started to improve. There's, there's no question that he started to put together some better numbers. But as a, as a prospect moving forward, I don't really think we need to have faith in him. Alec Burks. Let me do that one. Alec Burke. He was 188th, 196th in minus one. So he's more of a balanced player, that means. 178th in points leagues. As you can see, the totals are all worse than the per games because of his games missed. 139 ADP, 4% drafted. He's not a draftable player. He's almost 32. He played 51 games, 22 minutes, 23 usage. He averaged 13 points, two threes, three rebounds, two assists. Bad defensive numbers. 
He went from being a starter in New York to being this six-man backup. And I thought he played well for this team. 44% shooting, 41 from three, 81 from the line. One of the only players who's actually efficient on this squad. And his advanced stats loved him. Plus 1.4 EPM, 84th percentile. Estimated wins, 72nd. 72nd percentile for a bloke that played 51 games coming off the bench. His Darko, plus 0.9. His LeBron, plus 0.38. Strong numbers. Look at that graph. He turned it around at the start of last season, Alec Burks, and became very strong. He middling, 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 and turned into a quality player the last two years. Which is a little... Is it two years? No, last three years. Turned into a really strong player. I think that yeah, him at age 32 probably makes no sense on this team to be around. Um, $10 million team option, which can be declined. He can fit on another team, play 22 minutes, and do very similar. It's not, He didn't thrive off big usage. He didn't thrive from having the ball in his hands. There's no reason that this can't be continued for him for one more season on another team. I just don't think it's going to be on this team. His fantasy points numbers, again, he wasn't a great fantasy points contributor. He was okay. He had a few moments, but the low minutes keeps him down. He needs to be a 30-minute-a-night player to really crack into 12-team leagues. And I think he's going to be solid enough for at least one more year, but there's not a lot there for us fantasy-wise. His EPM was you know, pretty stable. He was solid most of the year, above league average most of the year, and then got hurt with a fake injury down the stretch, as so often happens. Let's talk about Marvin Bagley the fourth, James Wiseman. Obviously, he didn't play a huge amount. His fantasy numbers continue to be bad. I was staggered to see that he had an ADP of 119, and I looked at him, okay, mustn't have been drafted much. No, he was drafted in 91% of leagues. What? Why? Did people think he was going to be good? That's, that was, that's wild to me. He was 244th in category leagues, 240th in minus one, to 11th in points leagues. He played 19 minutes. He had a usage of 21%, which is way too high. He's, he's only 22, and he hasn't played much basketball. But I, I see nothing positive at all with this guy. I don't see anything that makes me go, yeah, this is a winning player. 10 and 6, 0.6 blocks in his 20 minutes. That's not good. He's a points and rebounds guy who can't shoot 20% from three, 56 overall, 70% from the line. Doesn't pass, doesn't defend, gets in the way offensively. And his advanced numbers are horrific. Negative 5.5 EPM, that's sixth percentile. This is not a rookie. This is a, Okay, well, maybe he's a rookie from games played, but you've been around an NBA team for three years. You're still a gigantic negative. Your Darko, 507th in the league. That's almost the worst in the entire league. His LeBron, negative 2.1. Look at this graph. It just keeps getting worse for Darko. He played a lot more down the stretch. You can see on his fantasy points graph, put up some good numbers, some okay numbers, but they weren't fantastic. He probably was around that 30-point average down the end of the season for fantasy points. But they were gifting him minutes. Now, this is where my lack of faith in Troy Weaver and what he does with the coaching staff uh, worries me because he does not deserve to be a starter or to be given these minutes at all. He, at best, you could say he's a backup. He's a worse player than his dad, Marvin Bagley III. He's worse. And he's younger by two years, but he's worse. And I worry that they're going to play him and limit the value of a Duran or imagine it's a Victor. Oof. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't look at what he did this season and go, oh, there were some encouraging signs there. Because look at this. 
yes, there's single game EPM numbers, but look how bad they are. Basically, after he came over from Detroit or to Detroit from Golden State, he's just negative in every game. And his average got worse. The more he played, the worse he was. That's really, really troubling. Yes, he's still young. There's nothing I watched with him and went, mm, yeah, there's a starting caliber center here. Nothing at all. I can't find the sound drop. Stop. Time. Oh, there it is. Um, Hamadou Diallo, 275th in category leagues, 271st in uh, totals, 294 minus one, 231 in points leagues. Drafted literally nowhere. Fair enough. He's 24, going to be 25 soon. 56 games, 18 minutes, 21 usage, nine points, three rebounds, 0.9 steals in 18 minutes is pretty good. 57% shooting, 24 from the three-point line and 59 from the line. He's a center and a 6'5 guard's body. And they played him like one. And it actually, impact-wise, it was successful. 77th percentile in EPM, 64th in wins added despite playing 56 games. His LeBron was plus 0.18. Compared to starters, he was basically as good as half of the starters in the NBA, impact-wise. And his Darko, negative 0.5, which for this team is actually really strong. And you can see the one thing the Pistons have done is changing his role has unlocked his impact. Look at that from the start of 21-22. Just keeps going up and up and up and up. But you got to play him in the right role. And I think this is the right role. I don't think you can play him more than 20 minutes a game consistently, unless it's even then, like it'd have to be in a, like what KJ Martin's doing and surrounded by tons of shooters. And when you're going to have Duran out there and you're probably going to be mixing Wiseman that, and I don't know how that works necessarily. He's a very good defender, but he is a weird player. That's going to, he probably deserves a solid contract, but he's a weird, weird fit player. Fantasy points-wise, he is better in points season category leagues, but there's not a lot to really take out of this. Like It got better as the season went on. He really struggled early on, and obviously him and Dwayne Casey had a lot of issues um, in their relationship. If we look at his APM stuff, again, pretty strong, above average most of the time. The uh, Above league average, his average was above league average most of the time. I just thought he was an impactful player, impactful enough player, that he's someone to watch as an impact guy, but probably just a deeper dynasty guy. He's only 24, 25. Probably got three or four more years of being a guy that's relevant in deeper formats. Isaiah Livers was a player that I was a little bit interested in heading into the season. A little bit. I thought, hey, he would make sense starting next to whatever they start at center, Stewart or Duran, because he can shoot. They didn't decide to do that. Uh, they start. What I said was I thought he could have a better season or a better be a better player than Sadiq Bey. Bay wasn't particularly good, but I thought Livers really struggled. And my opinion of him went down quite a bit this season. He averaged, he was 284th in category leagues. His points league was 300th. He wasn't drafted anywhere. He's 24 as well. 52 games, 23 minutes a game, 12% usage. That's my problem. Just unbelievably passive. Just never took shots. He shot 37% from three, 82 from the line, 42 overall. There's some room to improve that. He averaged seven points, 1.43s, three rebounds. Half a steal, half a block in 23 minutes. Those defensive numbers are pretty poor. And his advanced stuff's not all that strong either. 36th percentile EPM, 321st in Darko, 6th percentile compared to starters in LeBron. And showed, you can see on the graph, like showed some improvement over the course of the season, but still I would just expecting a little bit more. Injuries hurt. You can see there's plenty of, um, well, you can see it here. There's plenty of gaps where he didn't play. Big stretch here in the middle. Ankle problems, multiple ankle injuries to end the season. And most games, the troubling thing here is his minutes and the red line on this graph are higher than his fantasy points. 
That's never a good, never a good equation when you're averaging more minutes and fantasy points. When you're less, significantly less than a fantasy point per minute, that's that's a real problem. And he is way below. He's like half a fantasy point per minute. That's a real problem. Um, his EPM, again, not a lot. Pretty negative most of the time. Went down. I, I'm losing a bit of faith in Livers. It is only year two, and he missed a lot of time. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm just losing, just losing a little bit of faith in in where he sits. Now I'm not going to talk massively about these other players on this team because I don't really think there's huge amounts to gain from it. Um, yeah, what what are we going to talk about here, Eugene? Um, Omarui. The guys I didn't talk about, Corey Joseph, RJ Hampton, Magruder, Omarui, Roden, and Bayheim. The only guy I'd look at there is Omarui, who had a few decent moments, but he was 372nd in category leagues. He averaged seven points in 16 minutes, shot poorly from the field, didn't block any shots, never got any assists, didn't rebound, didn't hit threes. He's okay, but he's also already 26. So he's super old, Eugene Omarui, and I don't really think that there's um, much that we need to pay attention to there. But what we do do, do do, to end this show is give you a question from Bay B. Your real name? Probably not. His question says, how will Cade fit with Jaden Ivey? It's an important question. We didn't really see it. And we definitely didn't see end of season Jaden Ivey with Cade Cunningham. So what, what do we get out of that? Well, here's something that I dug up. Ivey and Cunningham played 282 minutes together. Jaden Ivey, 18.9% usage in that time. Assist percentage of 18.3. In the minutes where Ivey was the point guard and he was running without Cunningham or Killian Hayes, because Killian Hayes never played with Ivey and Cunningham together. They played like two minutes together, that three. When Ivey played as the lead point guard, he played 1,055 minutes. His usage went from 19% to 30%. His assist percentage went from 18% to 38%. So... We saw big strides from Ivy end of season, but the gigantic thing hanging over it is no Cade Cunningham. Cunningham had 30% usage. Ivy was... Now, I don't expect Ivy to stay at 19 usage and 18 assist percentage next season playing next to Cade. But the 30 usage, 38% assist rate when he was putting up big numbers at the end of the season is also something we need to make sure we don't overread into because it's not going to be real. I think that Cade is still by far the best prospect on this team. Still a guy that I think I think he's going to get heavily underdrafted. Ivy made big strides towards the end of the season, but we've seen often the players making big strides on teams that aren't serious and are missing key pieces, Jalen Green, in their rookie seasons towards the end. That doesn't translate over necessarily. And maybe you could even say the same from Cade from the end of year one into year two. Although I still think that Cade was able to you know, show that usage bump, minutes bump, assist rate bump, and just the shooting was off. I thought he was okay otherwise. So that to me is a pretty damning number. But we still don't know because this was first 12 games, Ivy. A guy that was finding his feet. But that, that gap between those two sets of numbers is stark. And that will do it for me today. Follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you're here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.